like Tucker, I'm Todd. Hi, Todd, I'm Tucker. Much better. Okay. Well, good evening. Craig is already recording. He's actually, he's, I'm so glad that we hired the best free intern. <laughs> That's exactly what Craig is. And his friend, I don't know what, is like an intern's assistant. Okay, so that's a thing that we're going to have to play up a little bit. I, I need to try to remember when I'm doing this that I need to lean into being a character because I'm Todd when I'm doing this. And I need to think about that a little bit more and playing into it. And also, so when I mentioned having our uh, our producer that we blame for everything, that's that's what Craig is. So there is Craig, and he has Greg, and we're not quite sure. <laughs> so we're not quite. Greg is sort of a shadowy character. It's he's basically like a dark Igor. He can't really speak a language we understand, but he speaks in these murmurs that Craig understands. Competent, but they still get their job done. They're like fucking Mister Magoo. <laughs> yeah, they basically are. Okay, that's not okay. Not both of them. So Craig is incompetent, but but uh, we're able to communicate with him. We don't understand Greg, but Greg somehow Greek Greek is somehow able to uh, communicate, uh, tell whatever telepathically with Craig and whatever or whatever their language is. Like this, everything that Craig finishes has to get submitted to Greg, and then Greg just kind of fixes all the errors. Yeah. Which is basically the entire thing is just errors, and so Greg has to completely redo the whole thing. Because Craig's a fucking num- a numbskull, an absolute dipshit. Okay, so he's sort of a uh, what's the Adams family boy? There's Wednesday's the girl. I don't think anybody remembers who he is. I can't remember who he is. That's bizarre. Uncle Fester, Gomez, Morticia, Wednesday. Can't remember the kid. Lee. What was it? Pugsley Adam. Pugsley. Yeah, I was never going to remember that. I was going to get Beastly, but that's Care Bears. <laughs> beastly little creature, though. That was some dark shit, actually. No Heart? That's an incredibly dark villain for a like literal infant's program. Oh, you want to talk about Care Bears? I want to talk about Care Bears. Talk about Care Bears. Well, that I've reached my limit. I knew that Beastly was the girl named Shrieky. Was that like the the niece or whatever? Yes. So I don't remember really what the premise of the Care Bears was. Because did the show come out of a movie? Was there a movie first? Is that how that happened? Uh, I actually have no idea where the Care Bears came from, but I have a feeling it was like it started as toys. Oh yeah, I guess so. And then they needed a TV show to sell toys. Okay, so that was sorry, I, you got me off track because I'm obsessed with the the interview that I was talking about. So that episode of Smodcast, um, that's Kevin Smith's podcast, which I used to listen to all the time, and is actually sort of a really sort of a, an inspiration for the concept of this one, because it was just him and Scott Mosier just like saying, "Imagine this," and then "What if this happened?" and then "What if that happened?" and then this guy said that, and then that guy said that, and they'd fall apart laughing. And that's why I want to do this show. But now it got really boring for a bit because Scott Mosier left because he started working for Pixar or Disney or something. But Kevin Smith had a conversation with Bobby Hundreds, who owns some sort of like fashion label, which Kevin Smith has teamed up with to reproduce a whole bunch of like 90s style, like a universe inspired clothing. 
And so he talks to him for a couple hours or whatever, but they talk a lot about how this this dude's clothing line was inspired by his love of Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield. He's like, I was a kid. I was the child of immigrant Asian parents, and I just stayed at home and drew all day. And so I was obsessed with drawing, and I said, I want to be an artist. And they all said, no, what the fuck are you talking about? You're going to be a doctor or whatever. And so he's like, well, I got to figure out how to make it work. And so he started turning Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes images. But that's what he ran into. So Jim Davis was made his whole fucking mint off of licensing. Yeah. Uh, Garfield Garfield started off as a strip where it was about John Arbuckle, right? Yep. And then and then people said we like the cat, make it about the cat, and so he did that. And then they turned them into those little stuck on you suction cup things that you would stick in your windshield of Garfield, and those were everywhere. And that's where he made all of his money. And he said they built the entire empire off of those things and it opened his eyes to how licensing worked and then bill watterson was the exact opposite and i never knew this they actually didn't like each other jim davis and bill watterson because they had such total different philosophies about what you got to do with your art and watterson obviously has stayed hardcore till the bitter fucking end and never licensed a thing there's not a single piece of calvin and Hobbes uh merchandise out there and he never will Nothing that's official. There's there's still shit out there. Oh, shit. Yeah, there's the pissing on the Dodge sign and all of that. I think that whole thing is fascinating because that is like, what's more, what is more real as a piece of art? I mean, that gets into the whole bizarre argument of like, what is art and why are you creating? What's the point of doing it? And is it for somebody else to hear or is it real until it's been heard or seen or whatever? That's aesthetics class. And I didn't like that one. Is that a thing? Aesthetics class? I never took an aesthetics class. Yes, it's part of value theory. It's the other half of ethics, which I did like. Of ethics, interesting. I liked my ethics class until I didn't want to write one of the papers that was in it, and the instructor gave me a whole bunch of shit about how I I had so much more potential, and I never want to hear that from people. Oh, but I hear that one all the time. (laughs) It annoys me. (laughs) Don't tell me what I'm capable of. I'm capable of doing whatever I feel like. Yeah. But yeah, I like like I am attracted to the whole punk mentality of Watterson to say, fuck you. I'm anti sellout. I'm anti anything. But at the same time, I'm kind of attracted by the idea of selling out and having of because the way that Bobby Hundreds talked about it was like, I have created a community of people who will buy the products that I create because we are all kind of attracted to the same sorts of things. And I guess that is aesthetic. And you and I are trying to create something that is a little bit aesthetic, but is also trying to be anti-aesthetic. And so that's complicated. I kind of like that internal built-in conflict, though. That makes it more interesting. Yeah. So Tucker and Todd are not Calvin and Hobbes. I'm going to say that now. Yeah, they're they're not. They are an homage (laughs) to Calvin and Hobbes because of the way that they'll just go on about tangents. Absolutely. Can you imagine if they had ever made a stuffed tiger, official Calvin and Hobbes stuffed tiger, how crazy popular that thing would have been? I would have one. I would have. I would have one. I'd have all the iterations of them. I'd have the Batman version. <laughs> yeah, I'd have the Batman one. I would have two of those, too. All right. So this is the Tucker and Todd show. And in order for the Tucker and Todd show to happen, we have to sit down in a writing room and come up with the skits that comprise the show. But it turns out us coming up with skits that comprise the show is actually also part of the show. 
It's magic. Are we gonna do? Are we do the skits though? Yeah, I want to do the skits. Because now that I've I've thought about it, it's really not complicated to print out a little little. I mean, it takes a couple hours to do the art itself, but once they're printed out, they're very easy to manipulate and add a different face on. And so it would be fun to do stupid little acted out puppet skits in our little felt studio that I've created. And so there is a, there is a show on. So this is how it can work. This is part of our planning on the YouTube channel. There will be because this is we have to put thought into how we like title things on YouTube, right? And so there will be be very clickbaity, yeah. But for for what we're considering a podcast, there will be an audio version and a video version of this, which is which I'm thinking of maybe just calling inside the writer's room. Everything is hosted on the Tucker and Todd channel, but there are different uh, segments and programs that are on the Tucker and Todd channel. And this is sort of like the proper, which gets turned also into an audio because it's sort of the longer form. And then we have the video form, which is inside that interview studio. And then the skits that we can create are put out as, as clips with clickbaity titles that aren't, a, but these will come out as episode, whatever of, the, of inside the writer's room. I'm all for that. Yeah. And so that's what we have this premise ideas uh, Discord channel for. Just dropping in the 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 briefest prompts for premises because I want the planning for premises to actually take part. The writing because the writing is the show. Writing is coming up with the bits is the meat of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so I've kind of I've put three in here that I've all that we've already sort of discussed but we have not discussed them on the show we just kind of texted about them uh in our own little discourse te- discourse discord text threads and so discord discourse a discord discourse yeah i mean obviously there's going to be have to be a, a channel called discourse naturally and so i figured we could we could start off by doing because I've I've still got recordings from last week that I want to turn into like a little test edit of a show. Um but today we'll do these three that we have in Discord and try to flesh those out into actual bits and that'll be our episode this time. Absolutely. Cool. So the first one that I have because we were talking about who apologized a couple weeks ago. Oh I was talking about how Sarah Silverman, I think apologize for making fun of Paris Hilton and I thought that was weird seven years later and then Hank Azaria came out and apologized for doing the Indian voice for so long and said it's been this thing that people have been talking about and he's thought about and been on it it's been weighing on his mind he's doing this whole soul searching thing and so I thought it would be kind of funny if we were to have Apu on as a as a guest uh, to kind of tell his story. And so I was thinking the way to be subversive with it, what makes it funny is that because we're not going to have a, neither of us are going to be doing a, an Indian voice and I don't want to have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For the very first episode, that's a great idea. <laughs> and so I thought the the two ways that we could go with it was there's 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 sort of a sincere way which is is finding somebody that we know who is indian to do a guest spot and do an indian voice or just (laughs) i think it's funnier for him to be a guy who is brown but has a white guy voice and a white guy name and he says that the show it was this conspiracy he was just a guy i'm just a guy 
My name is not even Apu. That's just what they call me. The people who make the show The Simpsons came to our town, and it it is a pro. It is it's like it's produced. That's voiced over. That's a voiceover. They got Mr. Hank Azaria to do a voiceover. They completely exploited me and my business. <laughs> the cartoon character is actually being voiced over by somebody else. Yes, he's the cartoon character who's just trying to live his life and run his business, and he's being voiced over by Hank Azaria doing an Indian voice. That's much better. That's so much more interesting. The actual cartoon character is an actor, but his voice is being voiced over. He's being oh, dubbed. yeah, it's like Star Wars. It's like who the guy who did... Was it Darth Vader and C-3PO? There was two different guys that did the whole performance and then they just dubbed it over with somebody else's voice? Well, there was definitely Darth Vader who was played by a different actor than who voiced him. He was voiced by James Earl Jones. Yeah, he was played by Anthony something, right? Yeah, and he was voiced by James Earl Jones. Right, so that's what happened here, is they had this, they had this guy, Apu. Okay, they had this guy, Apu, doing this whole... He, oh, was was the actual... No. He needs a white guy voice. He needs a white guy name. He needs a white guy name. Is he is he part of George Carlin's Despicable White Guy Name crew? Is he? Is no, he... no, it's got to be a different name. It's got to be suitably white, but not too white. This is the fun part of writing: trying to come up with a name <laughs> for a, for a brown guy who is not actually ethnic. Yeah, no, he's completely white. Is, is it a skin condition? No, he's legitimately from an Indian family. He's just like third generation. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Grew up in a white neighborhood with white kids. He's just okay, but he is a, he is an Indian guy. Okay, okay. Is his name Calvin? No. <laughs> We're not crossing that threshold. How about Josh? Josh is perfect. His name is Joshua. Okay, so we have Joshua, third generation. He lives in Springfield. Okay, is that the actual premise? So, the did. Is The Simpsons this show that just kind of like it's this predatory thing that just took over the town of Springfield and everybody sees it because it spun so well into the culture. Everybody sees it as this charming, entertaining thing. But behind the scenes, it's all produced and edited and cut up. It's like uh, reality television. Yeah. yeah. These are real people. He's a real shop owner and all that. He was he allowed them to come in and film him. And then they cruelly dubbed his voice over some kind of Indian exploitation. Okay. And then does it turn into a gigantic conspiracy where, like, the Simpsons, he's, like, enraged because you people are always talking about how the Simpsons did it first. Do you know why so much of reality comes out of the Simpsons is because this is real life, people? Yes. This is as real as it gets. Okay, at some point at the very end of the skit... Does it turn? No, I was gonna say. Does it turn? It, turns, it goes nuts. It it zooms out, and somebody. This entire interview has been going on in a uh, a padded a, room, uh, Truman Show style reality, where somebody else is watching on a monitor, and it's all inside a contained world that um everybody else there is playing along with. It's all a conspiracy around this Joshua guy. I, that might be a little. That's a conspiracy wrapped in a conspiracy. That's that's too lofty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already pretty lofty that that uh, this cartoon character is an actual real life person, just actually working and owning a real life store. 
Okay, is is it just a brief gag at the end then? So we wrap up the inf- the interview by saying, "All right, thanks very much. That was Joshua. Whatever. Uh, we'll see you next time. Th- this has been something, something, the Joshua Show." And then it cut like, quickly cuts to Joshua being all confused, and then it goes blank. Is that is that a little too sudden for the audience to figure out what we're trying to play at? Perhaps. Okay, but uh, so we are interviewing him. It starts off. We introduced this man. This... What's his last name? His last name will have to be properly Indian. Well, I mean, it could simply be that his like mother is Indian, right? I don't know. You'd have to be pretty Indian to get Apu level of dark. What What would his father be? Well, I'm just thinking, like, so in Parks and Recreation, Aziz Ansari's character is called Tom Haverford. I always did find that peculiar. <laughs> is that too peculiar? Pretty peculiar. Okay. If not too much. Either that or he could always just, we could make it really simple and he just specifically requests that we don't state his last name. Yeah, that, yeah. well, I mean, because did anybody call Apu by anything other than Apu? I don't recall. So I think we'll just say this is Joshua, the man who has been portrayed as Apu. But he probably should specifically request that we don't state his last name because the Simpsons have people everywhere. Yeah, yes. You can't speak bad about the Simpsons or else they come for you. Okay, so here's a question then. Are we going to refer so are we going to refer to the show as The Simpsons or are we going to do like a the show that must not be named sort of? Uh we should probably do a show that must not be named. We should just like come up with several clever different ways to reference it. It needs to be clear enough what we're talking about without being specific. We can't be explicit, we'll just be implicit. Should we do an audio gag with that then where it the audio very clearly drops out and then a robotic voice replaces it with yellow family. I love that. I love it when they do that. I want it so okay. bad. Okay. <laughs> he played blank on blank. Yes. <laughs> he played Indian convenience store operator. <laughs> I enjoy that so much, yes. Yeah, all right, I could get into that. Okay, so we never call it the Simpsons. No, and it might become a gag that we never name anything. <laughs> I think I think that's part of the identity of the show. Okay, so first I wanted to say that going back to the the uh, non non sellout anti sellout that whole thing. I I it it would be really cool if we never ever reveal our identity. I'm okay. I don't want to do that either. Yeah, I don't want it ever to be known. I will always remain nebulous. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and and part of that, I mean, just in case we do ever like cross the line in some sort of copyright shit, I don't want it to be attached to a name. But I like the idea of avoiding making specific references by always using bozo names. Yeah, absolutely. With an audio gag. Yeah. Just always cut in with the robot audio. Yeah. And we'll say that that is Craig. That is exactly Craig's job. Yeah. We hire Craig to do one thing. He happens to somehow record the show. And while he does so, in order in order to do the... Okay, we hired him to do the audio drops. And in order to do that, he has to listen to the whole show. Poor bastard. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the guy from Nebula's Name... Oh, let's not even call him any. We'll just say it'll the the robot voice will say just say like ethnic. Yes, ethnic clerk, possibly owner operator, <laughs> a reputable businessman. 
He is a reputable businessman. He's a pillar in the community. That's what, that's one of his names at one point. And this show exploited him. Okay, and then each time that the robot voice gives him like a complimentary name of like recognizing that he is a pillar of the community, like the guy hears that and he's like, "Oh, you're too kind, honestly." <laughs> like it sort of butters him up because he's he's mad, he's enraged about the show, but that softens him up. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be way funnier. The ro- it would be extra funny if like people in the show during the recording acknowledge the robot voice even though it technically didn't go in until <laughs> yes, that's the running joke is that we hear it <laughs> it's nobody should be able to tell that it's there but it is but it acts as the voice of god in our in our cast time is not a fixed construct no um okay so he's enraged he's enraged about the show but he keeps getting this brings him down he gets all dopey and bashful but then he jumps right back into his his rage because the show was portraying okay so how did that come about is he mad because he spent all that time performing and they completely cut his performance out the original takes were deemed to not be funny enough they weren't indian enough they wanted something stereotypical and and hokey and so they dubbed him over right did they did they demand when he was cast? Did they demand? Did they say that he for the part he needed to do a voice, but he refused to do it? After they determined that his original performance wasn't funny enough, they asked him if he wouldn't mind recasting it with a funny voice. He refused on ethical ground. Sound so, ethical so, ground. Did test audiences say that they wanted a more ethnic um, convenience store owner? Ooh, do we do we want to blame test audiences or The Simpsons? Oh, right, because, yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, Are the Simpsons just going to bend over backwards for these test audiences, no matter what they ask for, no matter how terrible? Mm-hmm. Well, because I'm always happy to criticize the consumer. Absolutely. Fuck those people. Except for ours, of course. <clears throat> yes, of course. <laughs> you know how some shows for their communities they come up with like nicknames for the fans or whatever or even like I guess like Slipknot has the maggots or whatever um yeah Juggle. we call ours the, the, the rubes <laughs> just disrespect them out of the gate <laughs> just like, you idiots why are you listening to this uh, some people will find that funny some people will find that very funny and probably most people will find it neither of those things I want, but I want the people to f- that find that funny. I want that to be our our crew. Those are the people we want. Yes. Yes, but I also that I'm not sure if that's hack. I feel like there's all sorts of twenty and twenty two year olds who are out there going, mm, our dumb audience. Yeah, I don't know if I want them to be able to wear it like a badge. We'll let that form organically. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, so uh, poor Joshua, who, of course. His face has been black barred or blurred out because he doesn't want to be identified. Right. Okay. So can can he? <laughs> his voice is modulated. Yes, which means either one of us could record okay. his audio. I've 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 reached out to at least one friend asking if they'd be interested in doing voices for these types of things. Awesome. But yeah, his voice would be modulated. He's doing like a, a witness protection interview. Okay. He's up the. Because the Simpsons have people everywhere. That's true. But the Simpsons already know who he is. Yes, but he's gone into witness protection to get away from them. They were harassing him. They were harassing him because he's speaking out? Yep. 
Okay. Is he? Oh, so so here it comes back to the question: Is he speaking out because he can't get a job in Hollywood anymore because of the Hank Azaria scandal? Interesting question. That takes things into a a bit of a different turn because then it's not specifically because the Simpsons exploited him; it's because nobody else will now. Right, because he was a he was he was a dark he would the perception is that he was playing Apu, and Apu was seen as racially insensitive, and so he is perceived as racially insensitive, and so now he can't get a job because he is visibly Apu, and also because he exploited him. Right, other people to exploit me for money. I'm broke. (laughs) Yeah, and now I can't get exploited anywhere. He wants to have his cake and eat it too. Okay. Okay. So... Yeah, uh, that that negative stigma has now been attached to him, and his, uh, in fact, his family doesn't like him anymore. His extended family have largely cut ties with him because they think he's responsible for the funny boy. Right, right, right. Family disown. So, so we're going to ask him then. Has how has Hank Azaria coming forward and apologizing for his role changed perception of you? And has it? Would it have? It might if people knew who Hank was. <laughs> That's what he's mad about. That's what we ask. He says, well, if anybody even knew who the fuck Hank Azaria was, it maybe it could have helped my career a little bit. But no, most people still think it's all him. Okay. At this point, it's been set just as a standard to keep this guy cut off. You know they don't uncancel people. No, he's Hollywood. So he's Hollywood scapegoat? Hey, he got canceled and now, and now Hank is like self-canceling. He's just dropping on the grenade. Right. Okay, so he's all mad because he says, sure, now Hank is free and clear for his guilt, but I am still, when people look at me, they see a pillar of the community. Yes, exactly yeah. exactly that. Uh, Hank, Hank is now getting to wash his hands and cleanse himself of this, whereas Joshua will forever be, you know, a pariah, despite not being the one to do it. Okay, so does it start escalating at this point then? Now, he, we thought that he was here because he was pissed off at the Simpsons, but he's actually now declaring a vendetta against Hank Azaria? Hank, the test audience, the Simpsons, it doesn't matter who he speaks. He if he speaks out about any of them, it's speaking out against like the institution of the Simpsons itself, and that's why sure. they have people everywhere. Okay. Is that how it ends then? He gets got in the studio? Uh... I wonder if we would actually get into any trouble for suggesting that the Simpsons murders people. We never said the Simpsons murdered perfect. We, That's it was a show. true. Said, <laughs> we said uh, the uh, television, television program that Hank worked for. Yeah. For all anybody else knows, it was just like a lone gunman acting on his own. Just some maniac. Hmm. But yes, he, he should probably get black bagged by the end of the program. Okay, so maybe he doesn't die. Yeah, maybe he gets. We we watch him get kidnapped. A crew runs through a van. The van busts through the door. Throw. He get disappears. Yeah, he gets abducted. He gets fucking disappeared. And then we just have to awkwardly wrap up the segment and move on to the next. Yeah, uh, one of us is gonna have to be all like, "Oh my god, that just actually happened." Jesus Christ, stop rolling. And one of us looks calmly at the uh, camera and says, "We love Fox." And it goes to black. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay, I think that's a skit. Yeah, that is a skit. That's the skeleton of the skit. Hmm. On the program, do we flesh out the skeleton into actual dialogue? Uh, I don't know if we would do that on the program, like in the writer's room, but that is the kind of thing that would wind up going into one of the little skits. Right. 
because the skit would need actual dialogue. Yes. It can't just all be implicit at that point. No, of course not. Okay, so, okay, uh, yeah. Coming up with specific dialogue should not be part of the writer's room show. Unless unless it's, like, a piece of, I like, think... foundational dialogue. Oh, sure. I mean, it's not like we have a zero-dialogue tolerance policy. No. I'm also curious, because I haven't actually chopped out all the silence yet. I'm curious to see... Because the last recordings we've done have been about an hour each, but I have not seen how much silence comes. Because when, <laughs> it's pretty astonishing. When I'm sitting here talking to you, I don't realize how much silence is between between speaking every now and then. But when you sit down and listen to it as a sound file, there's like whole moments where you're like, did this thing stop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, this is live. People stop and think, uh, and especially if we're doing touch yeah. to record, touch to talk. Uh, the microphone stops uh, transmitting if I'm not talking, and then it's just total silence. Right. So yeah, I'm. I, I will see what our actual runtime is and how much more needs to be padded. But also, I don't think if we're going to be doing it as a YouTube show, I don't think I want it to be longer than forty minutes. No, and I highly doubt that the YouTube show will be longer than forty, forty to forty-five minutes once it's all chopped up and made ready. Especially, especially I'm if. Hope- for like the actual written out skits because like the 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 sort of foundational script that we've produced is probably good for like seven to eight minutes of actual content if if it's put right. into a skit right yes i yeah i think i think the skits themselves will be, be between like a minute and and five minutes and then uh maybe they might go a little bit longer and then the episodes where we come up with one to three skits in a writer's room. I think those will be, I want them to be 15 to 25 minutes. Yeah, the, the, when we come up with the, the foundation that could later become a real skit, the, the writer's yeah. room chatter. Yeah, I like those. Yeah. What if, what if hmm. we're chatting about chatting about the writer's room? Is that too meta? I'm thinking maybe that's the audio version. I think the whole thing with just chi- silence chopped out is the audio version. And then the actual meat of coming up with a skit is the writer's room on YouTube. The skits are skits. And are they all going to be our little popsicle stick people? Yes. Awesome. I'm in love with the popsicle stick people. I'm in love with that that cardboard studio. It's pretty fun. Um, I'm coming up with the time machine for and the no Hitler sign. That's the next thing to go in. There's a little space next to the brick wall. Yeah, no Hitler. No, I've fully committed to them. Now that I've taken them out in public and laid beside the river and filmed them with people watching, those are now the part of my life. <laughs> You're dedicated now. You can't take it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was actually because I went down to uh, along the bow where the weir used to be. They've turned that into a little like kayak rapids, little trickling rapids area, right? And so I wasn't expecting, it was the day when it was super nice out, the day before it snowed. Yeah. And, and there was families crawling all over that thing. And I'm trying, I am a grown man uh, in my teenager's outfit, my persistent cutoff shorts and hoodie that I wear everywhere, laying on the rocks, trying to get angles of these little puppets on sticks, bouncing them back and forth in front of a camera. And there's like, I'm trying to get my angle. I found my little spot. And there's these two kids that decide they're going to like t- make TikToks or something. They look like they're eight and 12. And I'm just sitting there with my camera all perched over, trying to make it look like I'm not filming them. It's a lot of fun. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
that would be a minor concern. <laughs> but I think it's pretty funny. That, Literally, I a think minor it's pretty concern. funny that you're out there doing a juvenile filming incident, and then that—that's basically what they're out there to do too. They're doing the exact same thing, and I'm sitting there fuming, mad at them. Like, all right, you children, you're doing something unimportant. I'm trying to make a fucking history here. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're important. Like I'm doing. Like I need adult shit. Like I'm trying to come up with the words to like to tell them to go away. And then as I'm practicing the words in my mind, I'm going like n- neither of us are doing anything that matters. Glad you caught yourself before you made a fool of yourself. A fool of myself. Like, can you leave, please? I <laughs> just about Karen myself while the girl was filming. Yeah, I would have been. Uh, I would have been canceled before it started. Would have been funny though. <laughs> it's just. What's wrong with this Canadian man? I'm still trying to find out. All right. Refreshed. Excuse me. I'm glad Craig picked that up. <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny did. if he corrupted the audio file and that was the only thing that was left. Craig saved what he thought was important. <laughs> Just totally, totally broke it. Uh, I guess we'll see later. Craig saved what he thought was important and that's why he's fucking incompetent. Yeah. Our dear sweet Craig. Well, the thing is, it's we did get him. We didn't realize when we went on Craigslist looking for a oh my god, we were going to get the actual Craig. That has to be a joke, no. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know we'd get the actual Craig. The actual Craig. You guys thought this show was the Tucker and Todd show. It's honestly, it's it's really actually, it is Craigslist. Oh, that's. That's coming very close to explicitly naming a thing. <laughs> That's true. You're right. <clears throat> up with which I will not put. Up with. That's a hard one. Up with which, yeah. Up with which I will not put. Burn- That's Bernard Black. What's Bernard Black? That's Bernard Black from Black Books. One of the... Oh, shit. <laughs> See, now I'm naming a thing. One of the best shows ever made. Black Books? Black Books. Oh, let's see. I'm on a list of things I have to look. It's got one of the best first episodes ever a british sitcom oh i've seen yes i know that's bill bailey and what's his dick yeah dylan moran okay, i've seen yeah okay i've never watched this but i'm gonna have to now i love it i understand bernard on a molecular level is that a character is bernard is the owner of black yeah Oaks. dylan uh, moran plays bernard. he's a misanthropic shopkeeper i love him are we so... all are we all finished with Apu's interview? I think so. Yeah, that's the end of that one. All right. So he comes in. Uh, apparently, he's actually just a little bit mad at everybody involved in the entire process. And by the end of it, despite the best efforts being taken to conceal his identity, he winds up being black bagged and disappears into a van. Yeah. Poor guy. And then forgotten, just like Hank Azaria. Yeah, we move on. We move on immediately and callously. We're just like, oh, well, that's a wrap. Do we move on to Bernard Black because it's a shopkeeper with a chip on his shoulder week? Oh, that would be interesting. But you're going to have to watch Black Books before you make up your mind on that. Maybe. But we can't save every premise for until both of us know about them. No, but if we're going to discuss a specific character, you're probably going to want to know something about them. True. Oh, I mean, so do we go from that right? <laughs> do we go from that right into the Mister Ed thing? Then we go right from uh, an interview, which is kind of in the show, directly into a dumb, really stupid, like wordplay gag. Oh, oh, 
here's one. After a, after uh, Joshua gets abducted, yeah. just kind of there's a loose script just like on the table, right? Yeah. Containing interview questions and stuff, and and of course the questions for the following interview. You pick it up, and then you look at it. And then you kind of just like rip off the second half of it because Zappu has been abducted and you no longer need it. And then you move on to the next thing. Oh, or yeah, or one of us was holding cue cards through the entire interview, and then when we notice he's been gone, we just toss them. We toss a large section of them, and then immediately move on to the next part of the program, which is on the cue cards after what's it been torn out. Oh, sure. So it's one of those things where you like you make a, a show of shuffling through. Like, oh, I gotta grab you uh, finger through the first couple, and then after you've fingered through those couple, you toss those ones away. And obviously, we need to break in glass. Yeah, them. naturally, they have to fly and hit a window somewhere, of course. But we need to basically yeah. shit can the remainder of the interview in a visual gag, and then immediately and move on to the next scene. Like, like uh, we rip out the middle section of the cue cards, and then what remains is Mister. We read off of that one, yeah. Won't be needing this anymore. Chuck, smash. Well then, on that bombshell. And that's how we just wash our hands of the entire thing in a visual way. I like it. Oh, maybe... <laughs> there, maybe not for this one specifically, but there should be certain points at which we maybe we have a basin. We'll have it on the table between us. There's a little, a little wash basin that we use for washing our hands of uh, problematic scenes. Oh, yeah, I'm okay with that. We like... We run up right to it and then just like quickly like do that Macbeth thing. There will be there will be a visual there will be a frame like a graphic that comes on the screen and like a little elevator music moment and we'll have our washing our hands like pause. Yeah, we'll have to do like a little ritual cleansing every single time and it's gonna we're gonna have to have a little chant we do with it, just like the 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 actors in Blackadder every time Macbeth gets mentioned. Okay. Yes. They all just call it the Scottish play, and as soon as Blackadder mentions the actual name, they have to do like a spin in place and just like a little ritual so they don't get bad luck. Yeah. So yes, we'll have a little wash basin, and it'll be like a visual gag. We wash our hands of this. We wash our hands of this. We wash our hands of this. Yeah, some kind of self-soothing mantra. All right, so from that, we go into the next interview. Mr. S. Is it another interview? Mr. Ed. So yeah, the concept for that was you and I would be discussing ideas for the show. One of us would propose, hey, you know how in uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse they would have the mystery word and then before I can finish saying mystery, Mr. Ed interrupts and goes, oh, Wilbur. And the camera pans to the side and he's standing in the studio. And that so he says, oh, Wilbur, and I said, I was saying mystery. On a scale of 1 to 10, how careful do we have to be with Mr. Ed? I, well, he's never, we're never going to call him Mr. Ed. It'll just be implicit. I've said mystery and show up, and then Mr. Ed acts embarrassed. Oh, Wilbur, I didn't understand. Todd says, neither of us are even named Wilbur. Mr. Ed relents that he's just been, oh, I've just been so lonely. They start in blankly, and us says didn't you die and then that's it it just cuts to cuts to black to the next scene yeah <laughs> so, so it's actually a transition scene he's a transition scene so it cuts to, oh does it cut does it cut to like technical difficulties yeah probably is that overplayed 
Should we do that? Is it overplayed enough that it's funny to do? Oh, what if I made what if I made a garish collage of all of the cliche images that people use for technical difficulty frames? There's the hang in there cat. There's the old fashioned forty style radio sketch. There's the multicolor bars. I think you should use a piece of internet software to turn all of those images into a different cohesive image. Like, each one of them is now a pixel in that image. Oh, yeah, that can be done. But we have to decide what the image is going to be that they're they're going to make. It should be one of our own making. Thus, making it completely transformative media. Hmm, a steaming turd. Oopsie, something broke. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie poopsie, something broke. Oh, I guess that it would be easy to take, to take our uh, cartoon character images and have one of them, I don't know, like... The, but their pants fell down and they're standing there with their legs crossed in, in their underwear. Oh. Technical difficulties. We've had a malfunction. Yeah. we <laughs> Malfunction, yes. Implied to be a wardrobe malfunction, of course, but it's a malfunction. <clears throat> okay. So that was very simple and short. Yeah, there, uh, there's not much. That's, that's like a, that's a cutaway, a little transition scene. Yeah, well, because I'm, th- I'm trying to think of some of these things that can be, like, hashtag shorts on YouTube, like, literally, like, a seven-second clip or whatever. Or maybe some of them can be 15- to 30-second clips for the sake of throwing on Instagram or that. So some skits can be, like, extremely short just to do the sake of having a gag. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially, especially if it's a little cutaway piece, because it can still fit into an episode somewhere in there. But it can also be taken out and used as its own piece on something that warrants a shorter form. Yeah, like those little—I uh, don't know what the proper name for it is—but those little stinger pieces that they would have on late-night shows, like during the commercial break. Like we're not quite back from the commercial break yet, but here's this little short part where they talk. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then also the other one that I, this was, I think, just a very brief one. So this is—I don't know if this is one that could be then fleshed out into a longer story but just the idea of waitress tipping was so funny to me because that 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 came from the overplayed thing of i think i had made a wordplay and you said that's stupid and i said tip your waitress because it's like i'm here till thursday tip your waitress yeah i got it yeah and then to to immediately go from that to a guy who sees he hears tip your waitress and all he thinks is cow tipping and so he knocks over a waitress I don't know if that's a short sketch or if But then it way he 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 pushes her over cuz in in the edge of the frame you just see like a some kind of stereotypical waitress uniform and so you don't actually see her right but he he pushes her over and then the the, ca- the camera draws back and then you actually see that it's a cow in a dress the man has tipped a cow Okay, that was the yes. There's the so many iterations of. Okay, is it a woman who is? It's a cow dressed as a woman. Are all the waitresses cows? No, but but it's possible that this is a dangerous place to order a steak. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Here's here's what it is. It, this is how it becomes a long sketch. Is it is a cow who has been disguised as a woman and got into waitressing to get away from the the the, the what is it called the uh, the traumatic life 
She her previous life as a cow, she had been tipped so many times. She decided to get out of her hometown where she was constantly getting tipped as uh, tipped as a, a cow. So she went to university and she trained herself up, and she actually made something of herself. And now she's finally a human. A human she got waitress. a friggin' <laughs> she got a friggin' this... hospitality degree. What is she still doing, waitressing? Okay, you're right. No, that, that okay. Should, that should be one of she's... her complaints if she's ever caught. She's. That, like, if anybody catches her and then they have to question her, they're like, what are you doing waiting tables if you have a hospitality degree, huh? Sounds pretty suspicious. And and she has to point out that right. not a lot of fancy hotels will hire a cow. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because her disguise is actually pretty okay. shitty, but restaurants are just hard up for people. <laughs> yeah, of course. I heard they'd take anyone. So I applied immediately. And then it all culminates in this moment. She's been living this life. Or like, or maybe she is like a struggling actress or something like that. And so she has to wait tables on the side. Singer. A singer? Yeah, but all she does is move. Does it so we do we have does it cut away at a certain point of her like practicing or performing somewhere? Yeah, and she just moves and she's like and yeah, she moves and then wait, no no no. Uh it works like this. When questioned, she she gets asked, like since since she'll no doubt say that she's trying to become a singer, she's trying to get a singing career off the ground. Yeah. Someone will ask her how that's going, and it will immediately cut away to an to a scene of her badly singing, just mooing, and then it cuts right back, and she just says, "Not very well." <laughs> okay. Or okay. So here's okay. Bear with me. Does she does she say medium well? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's super dumb, but I like it a lot. Okay, cut to singing. Cut back. <laughs> How's it going? Cut to singing. Bad. It's moving. Medium well. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, I love that. Um, and so it all culminates. She's finally, she feels like she's on this road. And even though she doesn't love that she's waitressing, she she at least isn't on the farm getting tipped over by bumpkins. And then it culminates in this moment where the comedian on stage says, tip your waitress. And this asshole turns around and knocks over this girl. And she just has this flashback of every time that she's been tipped over in the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the comedian, yeah, the comedian, uh, is is the igniting incident causes the tipping. Yeah. So how do we catch the cow? How do we catch her if we don't see her get tipped? If her getting tipped isn't the first thing in the scene, how do we catch her? Are we just out for a steak dinner? Oh, that's exactly what it is. We're out for a steak dinner and she's mad. She's mad that we're eating cow. Who's having a steak dinner? You and I were out for a steak dinner. Oh, okay. Todd and Tucker are out for a steak dinner, and our waitress, who is a cow in disguise, takes our order, but makes it very clear that she's very disappointed in us for ordering steak. Okay, that's, this is the reference to it, but it's not revealed, but it's the tip of the hat. Yeah, that's the first sign. Okay. Oh, does she have a nose piercing? Yeah, she's got a nose ring right through the okay. system. Yeah. Okay, so her disguise is so, so. Is her disguise bad, and it's clear that she's a cow, or is her disguise like like ridiculously good until she's knocked over 
and then like her udder pops out of her skirt or something. I'm on the fence about this because on the one hand, the the, the wild juxtaposition between a perfect disguise and then suddenly like one thing falls off and suddenly she's very obvious. <laughs> 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 makes me laugh. <laughs> like that would be great. Like she's very suddenly just obviously a cow. But on the other hand, would it not also be funny if she's obviously a cow, but nobody around her seems to fucking realize <laughs> That's that Both are so funny to me. I can't decide. <laughs> but at least, uh, at least the latter, where uh, it's obvious that she's a cow, but everybody else is too stupid to realize it, at least that produces a dramatic irony, because the audience recognizes everybody else's stupidity. Whereas, well, yeah, if her disguise is perfect, the then we fool the audience, too. Maybe we could do both. It's that she's so obviously a cow. But when her hat gets knocked off, everybody recognizes that she's a cow. <laughs> All right, yeah, both ways. Both ways. In fact, <laughs> we could actually have her kind of be... Uh, like, when, her, when her, dis- her disguise gets ruined, like, she's an anthropomorphic cow. At the yeah, but when her disguise get ruined, she's just a cow cow. Yeah, I let you. Okay, uh, <laughs> so we have both. We have both. She's obviously right. a cow, but she's somehow become bipedal, and she can, she she can articulate her cloven hooves as like she has thumbs, and then like somebody knocks off her stu- like a dumb little waitress hat or something, and suddenly she's just literally a quadrupedal cow. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> Is it yeah? So she gets knocked over, and then when she gets back up, she forgets to get back on all twos. She's on all fours, and that's when we're gonna go. To. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think we've managed to combine both jokes. Yeah. She's obviously and... a cow. Everybody else is very stupid, and then we still get to have a juxtaposition in reveal because, like, not only will it be, is it now she's on all four legs? It has to be a completely different like picture, like a photorealistic yeah. cow instead of a cartoony cow person. Yeah, I like that. That's and that's easier to do. <laughs> yeah, much easier. Yeah, because I don't. I was tempted. I was tempted to do a lot of just print off a photo and then use that as the background, a shrunk down photo. But then I think it will be more funny to kind of use that uh, sparingly every now and then. Introduce photorealistic things into our little fantasy world. I like that. Just like as a, a wild juxtaposition, like cartoons do that shit all the time. When like you zoom in on something and you use like. A grotesque level of detail and stuff. SpongeBob does it a lot. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And that's exactly what we should do it for. It's just like grotesque levels of detail and juxtaposition to make something stand out really badly. Yeah, and I want to make reference. I want to do homage to uh, Ren and Stimpy and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I think they might have. They might actually have codified that. Yeah. The good old days. Were they that Actually, good? You know, I won't say that. There's amazing animation right now. Animation is probably doing as well as it's ever been. Yeah. Especially some things like, uh, you know, multimedia Flash. Flash animators get to become full, full-born cartoonists now. It's quite incredible. The sort of stuff that uh, software lets people make. Really talented, clever people. Absolutely. I tried to learn some animation. I drew a pair of eyes and I made them blink. I drew a unicycle and I made it ride across a tightrope, and that took so fucking long to figure out how to do a game. It takes a lot of time just to get one frame perfect. Yeah, astounding. But that was five years ago. I might get into it again. Actually, actually, I'm gonna actually make a promise and say that I am gonna get it into again because every now and then it would be fun to enhance a scene with like a little flash animation. 
That would be kind of funny, but we can't use Flash anymore. It's been retired. Oh, well, whatever it's replaced with. Avid or whatever. It's replaced with 10,000 different things, including 3D animation stuff. Yeah. So there's definitely... But apparently it's all easier. Yeah, probably. Flash took no prisoners. Well, that, and that's even... When I went to school for, like, journalism and PR and stuff, they made us learn how to make websites. And before they... It, it, the, the make a website class or whatever turned into... If, I think they were using WordPress is what it was. They used WordPress. But for the first, like, two months of the class, we were using Dreamweaver. And then after two months, they go, but that's the old stupid way. <laughs> <laughs> well, then why did we spend why did we spend two months learning the old stupid we we could have two months of fucking progress in the thing that people use now oh can do you gotta learn the shit way yeah okay so she is revealed to be a real cow how does that one end is that uh, is that the end like that's not the end of it i feel like something has to happen no that can't be the end of it that has to be like the uh just that's the climax yeah um so we're there we we are there because so was it one of us that pushed her over uh, just, I don't want to fight with a cow. This one's on you, Todd. Okay. Yeah, I'll push her over. But she, so she has been re-traumatized then. She's because she she. You're the tall one anyway. That's true. How the fuck is little Tucker supposed to push over a cow? <laughs> he's well, he's like proto Yoda. He's he's got a low center of gravity and he's a spry little fella. True. Well, also when he says that when you should see him do. Uh, what was it called? The supersonic death plunge? Are we still talking about Yoda? No, we're talking about Calvin. Oh. He's got some, he can get some momentum going. I'm sure he can, because his head is so much bigger than the rest of his body. <laughs> True. His neck is made out of adamantium. What happens to this damn cow? Everybody realizes that she's a cow now. So does she, like, I don't, is, is she can't get. Obviously she can't keep oh, her. Oh, does it end with us eating her? Oh. Like it's not that would be that would be a dark like one it? of those time cuts to where we're in all in it. There's like chaos and there's an argument and suddenly it's calm and it's a zoom in close on whatever we're eating. And then the camera pans out and we're we're eating beef and we make a joke. Well, quickly, uh, we make a joke. Now that's medium. Well, <laughs> we ordered steaks. And uh, so, of course. After she gets pushed over and revealed as a cow, she will gasp, and everybody else will gasp. Be like, "Oh my god, it's a cow!" And then, yeah, we can fade to black, and then we can cut back in. And you and I have had our to us. We're eating steak, and we can just kind of let it be implicit that we're we're eating that particular cow. And yeah, you can crack your now. That's medium well. Little does the, ste- does the steak have a tattoo? The steak has her tattoo. Oh, it'll zoom in right at the end and show her tattoo. It'll do a, a Looney Tunes, like a circle zoom, and then in the circle will get a little bit bigger and then wink closed. Yeah, it'll be, it'll, and yeah, so that'll be how we kind of confirm it right at the end. Yeah. That's terrible, but funny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the way to do it. The uh, the same test audience that panned The Simpsons had a problem with that episode as well. I'm getting pretty tired of hearing about this test audience. Well, we fired ours. But yeah, because they told they told us our sense of humor is going to get us killed. Hmm. So we're at a, a Hollywood studio, and uh, the COVID pandemic has been going on, and so all of the productions are shut down. But 
as we're walking through, we can hear this like clanging and murmuring coming from one of the large sound stages. And so we open the door and all these zombies come pouring out. And it's explained to us that all the test audiences have been um, roving around waiting for something to watch, but nothing's in production. And so they've all become the undead. Does that mean Basil Faulty has to come by? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Basil Fawlty is like the new Van Helsing or whatever. Well, yeah. what's not, not what's the zombie version of Van Helsing? Is there a zombie version of Van Helsing? I don't know. There is now. Okay. I heard Basil Fawlty. But if she ever listens to this, we're not going to cut it out. If she okay, who's yeah? I don't know about cutting. Do do we have a rule for the types of things that we cut out? No sexy kids. Right. Yes, I am. I'm aware of that. I was trying to explain my to my mother why I thought the sexy kids thing was she wasn't on board with it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, on, because it's offensive. It's because it's offensive. On Comedy Bang Bang, Thomas Middleditch and Lauren Lapkus play a pair of child detectives who, they're twins, and they're child detectives, they solve mysteries, but they're like extremely sexually confident with all the other adults. <laughs> I... For some reason, this is very familiar. Yeah, it makes me laugh. But it's not for us. That's uh, that's one of the Hitlers. Yeah, that's a Hitler. <laughs> that's a Hitler. A couple of juvenile guys talking about sexy kids is a bad idea. True. That's a Hitler. That's our. Uh, that's a solo. That's one of the catchphrases for the show. That's a Hitler. Yeah. Anytime somebody, somebody or something needs to be banned from the show. That's a Hitler. That's a Hitler, and every single Hitler. Hitler. Yeah, we don't have we don't have a swear jar. We have a Hitler bin. Hmm. Ich bin ein Hitler bin. Oh. But I think this has been a little over an hour and three premises. So, uh, want to call it quits here? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, otherwise, we're just gonna wind up rumbling into a couple of new tangents. Go on forever. If something doesn't shut us down yeah we just might but i said that's enough for now and these uh my goal for tomorrow is to actually start chopping up some of these with audio and video so that we can get a little sample episode done right on anyways i shall talk to you uh in the next one and chat with you in between yeah of course all right have a good night Uh, you too see you later fuck tucker tucker sucks (laughs) and fuck tucker's friend todd